Hello and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Raziel and my guest today is Chase Garrett. He is the founder and CEO of Icon Source. He was also the athlete marketing manager at Red Bull. And before that, he founded his own agency, the Encore Agency and Sports Management. Chase was incredible, getting to hear all his stories from his managing days, getting to hear his stories from what he did with Red Bull and how he was able to go to Antarctica, one of the handful of few handful of people that can say they've been there and all of the everything in between it was so much fun and now what he's building with icon source and how he's creating this marketplace for sponsors and for athletes to create more harmonious and appreciative relationships so without further ado here is chase garrett Today, my special guest on the For the Love of Sports podcast, I have Chase Garrett, founder and CEO of Icon Source, former athlete marketing manager at Red Bull, and former founder of the Encore Agency and Encore Sports Management. Chase, how are you doing today, man? Doing great. Excited to be here during this time of uh, kind of a lot of sitting around. So excited to have some fun to do. A lot of sitting around. I've been sitting around in front of this microphone a little more often, though, which has been nice because <laughs> people like yourself are at home and sitting around. So it's a uh, Double-edged sword. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take them how they come. So, Chase, the first question I have for everybody on the For the Love of Sports podcast is, why do you love sports so much? Yeah, you know, I think it all starts when I was a young person, and you kind of can't see past sports. It's kind of the only thing that matters, for me at least. Uh, and I wanted to do anything to stay attached to that. I think I just had tunnel vision. So, uh, as an athlete, as a young person, fairly obsessed kind of thinking nobody else had the same love for it that I did. And then as I progressed through my career, um, I just kind of always wanted to stay around something that I felt like I knew more of than everybody else versus trying to go compete with the mass population out there. Um, I was always pretty deep in the world of sports and, and wanted to stay an expert. So I love it. I love it, man. I mean, I think it's great. And you chose the route of working with athletes specifically, which I think is always, um, it's a little different. I mean, there's obviously a couple areas and a couple you know sports is an industry that's why i love having this show that's why i love to talk to people like you because there's so many different places that you can start a career in sports and and start in in the world of sports so i guess you know leaving school moving out west and starting up an athlete representation business is not usually the uh normal normal carved out path let's call it so i guess where where'd you have the idea to start you know encore and um you know how did you why'd you pick newport beach california yeah, so originally from Atlanta, and I grew up racing motocross and raced to like a professional level, but kind of struggling, had a lot of injuries. And um, finally, you know, I went to school at University of Central Florida and raced through that. And towards the end, I was like, all right, I'm not making enough money to really sustain. Um, but I, you know, my network of friends are all professional athletes. And so I essentially went to them and said, hey, I'm the smartest guy you know. I went to school. Uh, let's do, I'll do your deals for you. And so just kind of like ramped it up from there. Um, I mean, I was a 23 year old that was essentially watching entourage and then trying to wing it in the real life. Love it. And, uh, Hell yeah. it was super fun. My dad's, uh, always been a, uh, entrepreneur. So really got a lot of guidance from him, but that first run was, was really just me working with a lot of friends, uh, trying to discover the world and, uh, it was exciting. It was super difficult, but, but wouldn't change those years. So, I mean, what college kid didn't watch entourage and was like, mm, man, if I could, I totally would. Right. <laughs> exactly. So I, uh, you know, was faking it until I made it and, uh, and pulled it off to some degree. So it was pretty, I fun. think it's, I think it's great. Again, you know, you went to your network, you use the people that you have relationships with, uh, uh, I like the way you tell it, you know, I'm the smartest person, you know, just let me do your deals for you. And I'm, I'm sure it worked in many situations. So I think that that part is pretty great. How many athletes, I mean, you did it for a couple of years. How, how many athletes did you obtain, you know, over, over that period of time? Yeah, I had about six athletes and um, all at different kind of levels in the career and anybody that's 
in a real um, high profile position is probably going to have a lot of people in their ear. Um, and so, you know, I worked with a lot of guys that were my friends, maybe towards the tail end of their career or in action sports. A lot of those are, are on and off or very injury plagued. So saw a few successes, um, but, it, but definitely like wasn't um, a huge hit from a financial standpoint. Um, but really fun. A lot of access um, to things, um, learned a lot. So it was exciting. And that's half the battle, right? As long as you can take something away from it. Maybe you didn't make a million dollars, but you got to hang out in Southern California. You got to do the things you love. You got to hang out with the people you enjoyed. What, what were some of those things? I mean, what was that process? As you said, fake it till you make it, but let's call it learning on the job. I think that's a little bit of a better way to put it. Like what, how did you go about that? And, you know, make sure when you were talking to brands, when you're talking to people who have been doing this for four, five, 10, 15 years, how did you make sure you came across as honest and authentic, but didn't kind of show your hands like, Hey man, I have no idea what I'm doing here. Yeah. Well, I think, so I had a number of sponsors as I grew up racing motocross. So I was pretty familiar with the contract process, knew a lot of the people, um, had been in some like movies and TV stuff. So, uh, you know, I was pretty familiar with the community and, um, just kind of provided like a guiding light and did a lot of the, um, just duties that, that needed to be done, like get people booked on, on some PR opportunities, mm -hmm. go through the contract, make sure, um, you know, the athlete was protected and, and, and really kind of define their value. Um, this was pre social media. So obviously that world is very dynamic and it's constantly changing. And, uh, but yeah, yeah, it was fun. We did, did some deals with some, with some athletes stayed pretty endemic, uh, which was purely just because that was kind of my network. And mm -hmm. as a young person, I don't think you can see outside of like those core brands that you've always looked up to. So as I've grown, I've kind of seen uh, the power and excitement of, of really taking the sport platform and trying to reach a, a lot bigger audience. Than Absolutely, man. Players. I think, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's the key, right? You know, there is the, there's always going to be those endemic brands. And if they're not there, it's just their competition that's going to be there. So everyone knows everybody. It's when you can start to reach out and, and you know, start to grow tentacles and, and branches within the non-endemic space, which is where the, you know, a significant amount more money and popularity and, and uh, eyeballs will come, which is always very important. So yeah. I, I think that's awesome. And kudos to you for just trying to do that. I mean, again, you know, what 23-year-old doesn't watch Entourage? I mean, I still watch it occasionally. I'm just like, man... <laughs> If I was Vincent Chase, that would be pretty sweet. Um, so during that time, you were working a little bit with a company called Snapfinger. I'm kind of curious what, what that was about, especially, again, first thing I think of is Snapchat, but that's obviously not it because this is 2011-ish. Yeah. So tell us a little about that. So obviously, I was looking you know, at multiple ways of bringing in revenue and um, was, was very involved with like essentially like youth marketing through athletes. And so um, helped drive snap finger, which was a technology company. It was a mobile and online ordering platform for restaurants. So essentially like pre Grubhub, uh, pre Uber eats, it was a little bit ahead of its time. Um, they, they contacted me and I helped them kind of build a strategy to, to grow their consumer brand and, uh, and to kind of get some more accounts. So, so, um, that company was able to grow and was super exciting time. They eventually were acquired by, another brand and they, they've really focused on their kind of white label service where they're a technology for the bigger brands of restaurants. So if you mm -hmm. go to the restaurants websites, they facilitate that order. So that was kind of like a, an exciting way for me to sort of like grow my um, kind of business acumen. Uh, mm -hmm. I worked with Google and Facebook and all these other um, bigger companies during then, uh, which started to open up some, some, doors and made brought me to kind of like a fork in the road with my career of all right, which way do I want to go? Do I want to stay with sports, which has always been kind of my, my core passion, or do I want to go into this kind of tech world that I'm starting to kind of get a handle on? Um, you know, it's a lot more exciting from like a financial standpoint uh -huh. and it's uh, a lot of growth. Um, but that's when um, Red Bull came to me and they had an opportunity to um, be a part of their athlete marketing team. And I was like, well, you know, no longer do, will I have to fake it till I make it. This is a great organization. I can learn a lot from, they really like balance that, um, wire of endemic brands, but access to a lot mm -hmm. larger audience. Um, they're, they're a billion dollar brand. So they're selling to a lot bigger consumer group than, uh, like a lot of the brands that focus on just like surf or, or motocross or skate. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so I decided at that stage, um, that was a, that was a great route to take. So, so jumped on with Red Bull. And did they 
come to you and said, Hey, we've kind of noticed from afar, like what, what brought them into, uh, what brought you into, I guess they're, um, on the radar. Yeah. Well, I've, um, worked with them throughout the years. Um, like I said, it was all a pretty small network of people. These are my friends. And, uh, and so I had a friend say, Hey, they're looking for this role. Um, and essentially I, I put my hand up and say, you know, I'd be interested and then joining a brand that's like a blue chip company like Red Bull is obviously a very extensive process to join the team. And uh, I had a couple of athletes I was extremely close with that um, were sponsored by Red Bull that um, put in a good word. Um, and yeah, I went through that process and, and they decided to bring me on the team. So that was super fun. When I first started, I, you know, I thought I was going to be based out of LA. Their U.S. headquarters are in Santa Monica. Uh, and it turns out they wanted me to be based in Chicago which I was living in Newport beach at the time. And I was like, what state is Chicago in? You know, I was like, <laughs> yep. I was like, you know, I'm, I'm surfing every day. My, my, yeah. Exactly. My whole world is action sports and I'm about to go to a place. It's like, so alienated from that community. Um, but in retrospect, it was a really cool experience. I think it's, it's good to humble yourself and, and really look into different places and, and those different communities and the people are, are very interesting and cool in all different places around the world so um super exciting time i've personally never been to chicago i hear it's fantastic uh but i could not handle the winter there man i can barely handle the winter here uh, you know in new jersey new york um so i can only imagine what it's like right on right on the water so kudos to you for being able to handle that um and yeah i mean you're you're totally right you know finding new people in new places you know it's it's nice to expand that network it's nice to really just kind of get out of your bubble for lack of a better term you know that south so south Southern California bubble where, you know, you're around your friends or around a bunch of people, you know, it was probably nice and cool to, you know, get out there. So with your time with Red Bull, uh, was it a lot of the same stuff you were doing when you were kind of on your own? Now you just have, you know, the backing, as you said, of a billion dollar brand behind you. Yeah. I mean, to, to some degree, uh, you know, it's working with professional athletes and that direct connection, you know, um, with a company like Red Bull, you don't go through a lot of layers to work with your athletes versus like some bigger brands. They may have an agency that manages those relationships. Um, so I think that's kind of like the main value I brought. I had a bit of a network, um, with the different media outlets, but then again, I was kind of ripped out of my community and tossed into, you know, middle of America. And so, uh, it was a, it was a really different kind of like lifestyle. The sports that resonated in that area were, were totally different. So, um, so yeah, it was a bit of the same thing that I was doing before, but obviously now I'm focused on how can I bring value um, to grow this brand. And Red Bull at that time was already fairly established. This was in 2012, uh, but they were really wanted to grow um, being relevant in different communities. So obviously people thought of them as surfing, snowboarding, uh, skateboarding, but how could they, also have credibility in, in other communities where that's not as, as prevalent. So uh, mm-hmm. that's kind of like one of the tasks I tried to tackle while I was there. And so you were there for a pretty significant period of time, like six years, correct? Yeah. And so yeah. over that time, as you said, you know, when you started in 2011, 12, social media wasn't the behemoth, uh, you know, it is today. I mean, I knew people that didn't have smartphones in 2011 and now you know what person on planet earth doesn't so what was it like kind of being in that revolution for lack of a better term with influencers and athletes and and understanding how the internet revolution and and the influencer marketing revolution how did you handle that and how did you kind of evolve with that landscape yeah well i think it's interesting because athletes have always been essentially the first influencers that people would would pay and endorse so that they would bring credibility into their community of their audience that follows them. And so I think a brand like Red Bull is a little bit ahead of the curve with where everybody's going to now. Um, I think before it was a little more frightening for a brand to invest in like athletes because it was difficult to discover like what's the ROI, uh, like what exact value do I bring versus now it's very, there's metrics to it all and you can measure how many followers, what's the engagement. And so it's a lot more comfortable for uh, marketing executives to be like, all right, let's build this. And we're a publicly traded company. So we have to defend this to our board. Uh, The cool thing about Red Bull is it's privately held. So at any given day, our job is to make one group happy, you know? And so you know, maybe that is growing profitability or, or maybe that's doing something incredible. Like when we sent a guy in a space. So, um, but obviously they've, they built a brand that started from nothing with, in one of the most like 
difficult spaces with Coca-Cola, Pepsi, and all the international huge brands by investing with athletes with no real like ROI or plan that's going to show how it's going to pay back, but because they loved it and they felt that it created amazing stories that people could resonate with. Uh, and so, so like I said, going back to your point, Red Bull was a little bit ahead of the curve. And then as social media came in, it started to provide sort of a metric that would be attached to the athletes, uh, which ended up coming with a lot of regulations attached to it being a, a major company. Um, there's a lot of like scrutiny on, on how are you working with people? Um, but yeah, it was exciting. I think we were always, um, trying to be on the, on the cutting edge of how to leverage the athletes with that as the contracts started to have elements of social media in there. Um, it definitely provided an interesting tool. You'd have some athletes kind of push against it. Um, a lot of younger athletes would be really, um, advocating because of their social media mm -hmm. following. So it was a fine, um, kind of line to balance but mm -hmm. that was yeah exciting. and i'm sure i can only imagine how much you learned in that in in those six years again with this backing of a billion dollar brand with the multiple revolutions essentially going on in marketing on in technology and and how did you handle i guess the the relations you, you know you brought it up a little bit the relationships with the athletes you know some of them older some of them not really caring about instagram you know and they kind of might have missed the boat or maybe they're fine now you know some of them younger all about it how did you kind of not wear different hats or masks but how did you make sure that you were talking to them as people as athletes and then understanding hey we're both into this together man we're both trying to make some yeah. money like how, how do we do this together again from all these different types of uh different types of athletes male female you know different sports all that T totally you know it's um it's a really uh unique job so essentially i was on the road from 200 to 300 days a year um uh, while i was there so you're pretty alienated from any kind of like core community that you would build in your personal life. And so athletes and agents become the only people that you really have around you. So these, these people would become close friends. Um, and, but then again, you're also representing a brand here. So you got to kind of mm -hmm. always have the brand's best interest in mind while your personal relationship with a lot of these people grow. So, um, a lot of it is just trying to, like you said, how can we mutually benefit from this relationship and create progress as we go down the road. So, um, yeah, I mean, and then as a brand grows, uh, through the, through its time priorities change. And mm -hmm. so while one sport may be a major focus, a new upcoming community like esports or something may start to take a, a major share of the investment. So, um, evolving with the brand there and managing athlete expectations is, is, uh, a tricky one, but it, it can be done. And, and I think Red Bull holds that balance pretty well. Um, while it, it's challenging in some ways, it's exciting. You know, it's one of those things yeah. where any job that you can imagine would be the best job in the world has its dark days. Uh, and you may not be able to identify those from the outside, but everybody's got them. So, yeah, I mean, I, if I could be the commissioner of the NFL, I could understand what, how, <laughs> how and why those dark days are coming, what's going on. But now I also think if I could be Joe Rogan, um, I really don't know yeah. what he has in his life. I don't want the comedy or any of that. I just want to get to talk to people like you all day. I think I'd, I'd have some fun with that. So you brought up two points that I'd love to touch upon and, you know, I'll kind of, you know, I'll toss it to you to see which one's most interesting on the road for two to 300 days a year is insane. Um, so, I mean, what's it like having to keep your apartment that clean so that when you come back, nothing's wrong. No, I kid. And then the esports aspect. Um, so let's go with your first point first. Um, the 200 to 300 days a year on the road. What is that like, man? Like I'm on the road for like a week and I'm like, all right, I'm good. I just want to be in my bed. I want to be at home. You essentially, I mean, you had a home, but you didn't really have a home at that point. What is that yeah. like? And what's the stress on your body and just the mental uh, stress as well. I mean, you're, you're having a blast, right? You're going to hang out with yeah. athletes, do all this shit, but damn, man, that's gotta be draining. Yeah. You know, for me, I, I think people can kind of manage their career in this space, uh, different depending on what they're interested in and how they want to kind of live their life. For me, um, I was all in, I was very committed. Um, I was, um, I just wanted to be the very best that I could. I felt like it was a challenge being based out of Chicago at first to, really understand the different communities. So, uh, I loved it because it was all I wanted to do. So if it was a weekend and I was on the road, that, that was where I wanted to be. So, um, yeah, it, it was, uh, it's, it's definitely a little bit exhausting, but I have a pretty, um, I don't know. Some people say I have a gear that's, that's kind of different where I, I'm just pretty happy to just keep going and keep going. And 
you know, you're doing what you love. So you're, you're not really thinking about it as work. So, and, and I got to see, I got to see the world. I mean, I went to every single continent. I mean, I did trips to Antarctica, to the Monaco Formula One race, to Wimbledon. So while a lot of those moments you're in uncomfortable environments, you're trying to um, speak to really powerful people when you may not know your stuff. So it's not just like a lavish vacation. Um, but for those people that thrive in those environments, it's a pretty exciting way to see the world. You went to Antarctica? Yeah. Yeah. That was a, I have an athlete that's a ski mountaineer. So he climbs a lot of mountains. He's a backcountry skier and Facebook live was just kind of launching their, their platform. And we went down there um, and I had a satellite to give us service and did a Facebook live um, from Antarctica so that users at home could be on Facebook and they could kind of show the power of the platform, how it can shrink the world. Um, and in real time, be looking at penguins. Uh, so we climbed, uh, a number of mountains down there. Uh, it was, it was an incredible experience. So dude, that's insane. I mean, what, like there's like a handful of people that have ever been on Antarctica and you're one of them, yeah. dude. That's insane. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was pretty phenomenal. It brought some challenges. The, oh, the, course. um, internet service was tough. We ended up making it work, but, um, yeah, it was, it was a wild experience for sure. Kudos to you, man. Yeah. And, and, you know, traveling 300 days a year is a lot, but those experiences, as you said, those are going to stand above the rest. And there's, there's literally nothing like it. I mean, you've gone to the F1 race in Monaco, you know, my dad has wanted to go to that since he was 10. And, you know, it's just those, it's just those cool opportunities that you're going to get with working with a brand like Red Bull and working with the athletes that they work with. Um, you know, those, those opportunities don't come to a lot of people. So congratulations on all that, man. I think that's great. And then, uh, you know, so I guess follow up to that is, you know, you're, you're used to traveling 300 days a year. What the heck are you doing with yourself now, man? Oh, dude, I am now in isolation in a pretty small townhouse. Um, but yeah, I'm now that I'm kind of committed to this next stage of life or I've started this business, I, I really approach things a lot different. So, um, I'm trying to stay positive and trying to find, right, what are the unique things that I now have the ability to focus on that maybe before I was distracted and never could actually look at. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, just trying to stay positive and adapt with the surroundings and, and still channel that energy um, and, and stay away from those negative kind of wormholes you can fall into right now. That's what you got to do. We're here to spread positivity, man. I'm very grateful. I get to have you on the show. And last question before we uh, get into icons and what you're doing now, esports. Uh, you brought it up a little bit. Red Bull is definitely a major player there. I mean, there's that whole connotation of, you know, kids drinking energy drinks in their mom's basement till four o'clock <laughs> in the morning. And I know that's not what it's like at all, especially when you get to the competitive level. But what was it like, you know, again, seeing kind of esports rise to fame? Uh, now it's obviously popped even further over the last couple of years. But what was that like seeing it? And what was it like seeing your company say, this is something that is, this can be huge for us. Let's tackle it. Let's go after it. Yeah. So it was, um, it was crazy actually to, to kind of see it in real time representing a lot of athletes that do athletically phenomenal things, especially focusing on the action and adventure athletes that Red Bull does. Um, now seeing the power um, of an individual that, that essentially like sits in front of a screen um, was, was really hard to kind of wrap our heads around. The communities were so different. The type of personalities are very different. Um, and so, but Red Bull get being a brand that sells, you know, you know, an energy product to a Mm -hmm. large consumer base is like, Hey, this is a massive community. Uh, I think the most interesting thing is how trackable that community is because it's all done online. So you can see how many eyeballs are there. Um, you can see like, what's their retention? Are they buying stuff online? And so I think it's, there's so much data attached to it that kind of like social media is what got everybody really excited versus if you're sponsoring a soccer player and there's two kids playing soccer and one of them does a, a, a move that a player does all the time, you're not able to like track that experience mm-hmm. of like, all right, what, what did that emotional uh, encounter calls like how is that going to change their purchasing behavior long term with how they do their hair or how, the shoes they want to wear, and so um, I think there's a little bit of a disconnect. I think esports got a little bit um, 
overpopulicized because of how compelling the data was that was attached to them. Uh, but then you can't deny these are real athletes. And at Red Bull, we have a high performance center. So we'd bring these guys in and actually like watch their brain waves, waves as they would play these sports and like try to define what's the difference between a guy that's incredible at a game versus a guy that's up and coming and like what's his reaction time like? What's he thinking about? Is there like a process? So they would still break it down and showcase the athleticism. But I think it, it took a while for the communities to kind of show respect for one another. And I think we're, we're pretty much there now. Uh, and then at the end of the day, regardless of all of your thoughts, you're there to, to essentially sell more products for, for a company. And you kind of, mm. a lot of times you forget that, which is kind of a beautiful side of the job, but you got to always kind of remember what's your purpose? Why are mm. these dollars being spent here? Okay, it's actually the, to drive more revenue. Yeah. And that's, that's always the most important part, right? Especially when working yeah. for brand, uh, we're trying to sell product. If your your athlete is getting sponsored, you're trying to help sell their product. If you're working for yeah. the sponsor of the brand, you're just trying to sell more product. And again, I think esports, as you said, it did get overpopulicized a little bit. And I do think it has a huge, incredible opportunity in front of it. I mean, as we've seen over the last six weeks here in quarantine, it's the only game in town. It's the only thing that people are doing. I started a Twitch page where some of these interviews go live to, uh, you know, just starting to do all that kind of stuff. I'm really just finding out more about the community. I've been able to talk to people within the esports space. And it's just incredible what some of the things are coming. And, you know, as much as we think it's popped, you know, there are people that thinks it's, it's not even one one hundredth of the, the, the way it can be. And, you know, I think totally. that that part is just absolutely incredible. I mean, from your, your point of view, again, watching it kind of grow over time, what was that like? And, and, you know, just, I don't know how deep you got into esports, but what is your kind of outlook on, on the, uh, on yeah. the area? So, uh, and, and like I said before, I don't, I don't want to downplay it. Like it's obviously an amazing, powerful new sports segment. Um, it was just hard for us to kind of look at it. All right. They're kind of encroaching on our marketing dollars on our budgets. Uh, this community is so different, but at the end of the day, um, what they do is very similar. Mm -hmm. I think the barrier to entry is, uh, a lot easier than an athlete that wants to be a professional snowboarder and travel mm -hmm. to Alaska. Uh, I think the ability to compare yourself directly to some of the world's best athletes, um, is really exciting. And I don't think that should be downplayed. I think it's powerful. I think you can create some amazing brand stories through this. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really interesting to watch. You know, I think there was a bit of pushback from our core team that managed a lot of our traditional athletes, um, just because it was so new and different, but, um, but we eventually all got along and, and just one of Red Bull's things they do is they, they bring people that, that have some sort of like respect or some like cultural awareness to navigate those communities. So um, they had like an esports team that um, kind of came up within that group, mm -hmm. uh, brought respect, brought credibility to that scene to really grow that. So they didn't take people like myself that were foreign to it and say, all right, now you guys go find the best athletes to work with mm -hmm. the best groups. They actually got like some of the most credible people in the space. Um, and so I, I had exposure to it, but was never like super deep. Um, but yeah, have a lot of respect for those guys. And I think the future is, is really exciting. And there's a, there's a big business there. So, Oh yeah. Big business already. I can't wait to see what it looks like. Um, and, and as they did with you, you know, they brought someone credible like yourself in who's worked with athletes directly to help. And now, as you said, you know, Red Bull's smart about how they did that. Um, and yeah. so they, they created that team around esports. So, um, leaving Red Bull now you started icon source, uh, only a couple of years ago, right? 2018, 2017, yep. if I'm not mistaken. Right. Um, what was the reason? So you, you had your own thing left, went to Red Bull for six years, did some of the most amazing, incredible things that people will never dream of. What was then your reason for saying, Hey, now I kind of want to, I want to do my own thing again. Yeah. So during my time at Red Bull, one of the unique things there is I got to work with pretty much every sport platform there is and really understand who are the players in, involved? How does business go down? And and, you know, I really put together athlete contracts with, with almost every sport. So from tennis to basketball, to football, to baseball, action sports, Olympics. So all of a sudden I had this like really unique expected, uh, kind of like perspective that's difficult to get in any other way. Cause if you're an agent, you're typically focused on one sport or if you're an athlete, you know, obviously you have your expertise. So I had this kind of like wide landscape and I knew from my brief technology background at Snapfinger, my exposure there that, um, 
I felt like there was a huge need to evolve this space. And I kind of looked at the market and was like, nobody's really incentivized to change it. Uh, it's a relationship business. So um, a lot of these uh, connections are held on tightly because that's how those businesses are making mm -hmm. money. And, um, but then again, majority of my friend circles were agents. So I wasn't looking to develop a way to like cut them out of the circle, knowing also any attempt at that would fail long-term because you're just not going to scale mm -hmm. a process where athletes are going to focus on being the best and they could be in their sport and driving their own business. So, um, I looked at a couple other business models and came up with this idea of creating a marketplace that was a lot easier for new brands, essentially the 99% of brands in the world to make their first move to find who would be an athlete that would be a great influencer to work with. So whether it's a speaking engagement for an internal meeting, an appearance, a social media campaign, a digital media shoot for either an ad, um, what's that first step look like? <clears throat> and I had a friend of mine who works at a super large software company and they brought, they had hired one of my athletes at the time and paid her a six figure deal for 30 minutes to show up at a Christmas party. And he was just saying how hard it was um, to book them and how difficult it was to find the athlete availability. And I was like, wow, I managed her. We could get lunch this afternoon if we wanted, you know, like, um, so I'm like, there's gotta be a better way of doing this. And so um, I wanted to build a platform with athletes and agents kind of priority first um, that was easy to access for new brands and could help um, kind of cover the roadblocks that are currently there. And I knew I've done about a hundred athlete deals with brands. So I kind of have an idea on like what our brands looking for. Um, how can we help handhold a brand through that process? So, mm -hmm. um, so I left Red Bull in August of 2018, which is a, obviously a frightening thing to do because you feel like your whole identity gets wrapped up in that. And, um, got with, um, my technology partner, uh, this guy, Dale McIntyre, uh, and he built the platform with me. And then it took about a year and we launched to the public in September of 2019. So we're only about six months old. Um, but yeah, it's been exciting. It's, uh, That's it's awesome, obviously, man. uh, a scary road going down. You wondering, are you going to still get into the parties that you wanted to, are the people going to call you back? you know, how much of people's relationships with you were because you always bought dinner. So, um, but you know, I think as far as life goes, it's a great, it's a great personal development journey to be on. So. Of course, man. I think, I think it's such a cool idea. Um, and I like the way you're going about it. As you said, you know, your friends are agents, so you're not trying to cut them out of the deal. And long-term something is not, you know, athletes can't be the best that they want to be at their sport. And then also be like, Oh, let me go do all this on the side yeah. and create the media kits and do all the BS that that, that takes. Um, so I, I think it's a really cool way of going about it. And I like, I, I read on the website, you know, the, the marketplace type of feel, how, how did you go about, you know, wh who's the chicken and who's the egg? Did you go out and find all the athletes first and say, Hey, I'm doing this really cool thing. Do you want to, you want to be a part of it? And then did you go to the yeah. brands or did you kind of, how did, how did that aspect of it work? Yeah. So I knew I had some credibility with, you know, a large group of athletes and a lot of, a lot of agents, you know, I've been paying, paying deals out for a long time, traveling the world. And, um, and a lot of these people are just, are, are great people. And I essentially went to them and said, Hey, I'm, I'm looking to build a product to drive more revenue to you. I'm not trying to come in here and find, you know, fight shoulder to shoulder and take a piece of what you guys have. I want to expose your portfolio to new brands because athletes have a short earning life. They are so dedicated and committed to their expertise that there's a lot of value that's going uh, unused because it's just difficult to navigate and intimidating. So uh, they all kind of bought in on it. Um, our business model doesn't have any like startup fees or monthly retainer. Um, so there's not a lot of risk involved other than just who they're associated with. And I felt like I had built that credibility with a mm -hmm. pretty wide group of agents. And so that's kind of how we started it. We, we launched it um, with about 300 athletes on the platform. Um, we're, we now are at about 500 growing, you know, 10 to 20 a week or so. Um, so that we have a pretty diverse group. We have, you know, 40 different sport disciplines. So if a brand go, jumps on, they can say, I don't even know what sport I want to look at just female athletes. And then you could say, all right, I don't even know uh, which gender, but I want to look at 
close athletes. So I can search athletes in Texas or in Colorado or California. And so just easier ways to navigate the world of sports that you do when you're booking a hotel or a car or a flight. It's kind of the way the world works, but sports marketing has been stuck in this kind of like 1990s business model because nobody was really incentivized to change it. And so that that's kind of how we came up with, with the idea. And with, with that, again, I think it's a great idea. And we've seen a couple different iterations of this, like Open Doors, Open Sponsor. I'm sure you're very familiar with them uh, and what they do. And it's, it's similar, but not the exact same thing. What, do, what are you doing differently that you believe kind of, again, they can do what they do. Yep. You can do what you do. It's an abundant world. We all can make money. What are yeah. you doing differently? And how are you differentiating from some of the, the, I guess, let's call them the bigger players or more well-known players in the space? Yeah. So our biggest thing is... Um, transparency and security. So um, we never want to speak on behalf of an athlete. So if you ever see an athlete that you're going to connect with, you're going to connect directly with them or their representation. So we're not going to prepackage what their price is or try to sell them at a certain rate. Uh, We just want to build what's the biggest issue, what's the biggest hurdle. And we think it's navigating that, that those waters and making that direct connection. Mm -hmm. And then from there, um, making it easy for that brand to kind of self-serve themselves. So we have a wizard that helps them build a contract, whether they're looking for a social media uh, campaign, it walks them through how long do you want to use the, the image? How are you going to promote them? How are you going to obtain the content? Uh, are they going to post it? What's the price per story or, or, um, or regular post? So um, our thing is like, Hey, I have strong relationships with each one of these athletes. Um, uh, these are my very close friends. So there's no, like, I, I'm going to list this athlete's name up here, but I don't actually have the right to, to do that. And then mm-hmm. hopefully when a brand reaches out, I can go try to sell this deal. in. uh, we have already done, worked with the athletes, worked with the agents to put them on there. Um, and then, uh, the exciting thing is every deal we've done so far, that brand has actually come back again to do another deal. So we haven't had one single awesome. brand use us and be like, wow, that was difficult and not come back. So that's, I think, um, a promising story for the future, but we're still trying to learn at really how we can solve the major problems that are out there. And, and I don't think that for us, that is providing the deepest analytics or providing some technology that communicates to them differently. I think it's really solving the revenue issue. And we really want to build that connection where we, the agent is still doing the negotiation. They're still executing the activation, but they're really just able to now facilitate a lot more deals from brands that may never get connected because they're Mm -hmm. a credit union in in the local hometown of an athlete or a car dealership or a restaurant, or maybe a major billion dollar company that just doesn't have that connectivity. So mm-hmm. that's our main, that's our main goal. And I think that that's a great way of going about it. Again, as you said, you're friends with all these athletes, you know them personally, uh, you know, all the agents personally. So this allows them, and I can totally understand what you are doing different from those other companies that I mentioned and how you're doing it differently. And I think that there is absolutely, I mean, clearly there's a space for it because you're getting repeat customers, repeat customers, you're doing, you're doing something right, man. So yeah. uh, keep on rocking it that way. And so I guess with that, I mean, at some point, you know, there are going to be agents and athletes, I'm assuming at some point that you do not know personally and that you have never worked with before. What do you have in place to make sure, you know, your name's on all of this, right? Icon Source's name's going to be on all of this paperwork. And as you said, you know, the wizards that you're creating to make life a heck of a lot easier. How are you making sure that there are systems and processes in place that way both sides are happy? You know, how, how do you make sure that a brand isn't reaching out to somebody and then all of a sudden it's like, wait, this is going to cost me $10,000. Like what's going on here? Like how do you kind of make sure that that aspect of it is, is uh, clean and clear? Yeah. You know, so we have a few different like triggers that help manage expectations. So if a athlete's a lot more high profile and they don't want to just field every Mm -hmm. um, offer, they can put minimums for an athlete for a brand to have to reach. So it's like, you know, for me to even look at a deal, I don't want to look at anything below five grand or 20 grand. Um, so that, that kind of helps manage that process. Um, and then going back to our main goal is wanting to provide significant value to both sides. And so when you talk about how do we, you know, some people say, how do you police the platform? Could people meet on the platform? Cause our business model is we take a piece of the deal once connections mm-hmm. made. Um, we really think that if people are going around us, that we need to better ourselves to provide more value. So it's like, 
when you take an Uber to the airport and then that driver looks at you, gives you his business card, says, Hey man, call me when you want to come back. And you're like, okay, but you throw it away because you like the application. It mm -hmm. sources real time connectivity. The payment goes through is secure. You're not having to worry about getting ripped off for us. We think that we're providing athletes exposure to a lot wider group of brands. So they're not going to want to like go around us because uh, we think that we're going to continue to provide value. And then from the brand side, same thing, diverse athletes, we provide a wizard. Uh, we, I, we think our fees are nominal. So um, if, if people are going around us, we want to take a new look and say, how can we provide more value versus how do we police this process? Yeah. And that's an incredible way of looking at it. All right. If, if someone's going to go around you, there's a reason they're going around you. If you can yep. give them the value that you think you're providing or even more value, they're going to want to keep coming back, especially the brands. I could see it. I mean, I could see it from both sides. The athletes want to yep. stay there because that's where the brands are. And I'm assuming if you find out, Hey man, why are you, you know, taking that relationship yeah. and going elsewhere? Hey, you're not allowed on the platform anymore. So all these other brands don't get to find you. So, exactly. um, you know, I think you're going about it in a really intelligent way to make sure that everybody's still happy. It's a triple win and everyone's always looking for those. And, you know, so going from Red Bull, again, having, I'm not going to say unlimited money. If you want to say that, you can say it, but yeah. um, no. Uh, what is it now like kind of in that startup space where you have to be a little bit more lean and you have to be a little bit more, not to say you were, you know, throwing money around before, but obviously yeah. things are a little bit different here. How have you been able to handle that aspect of the transition? Yeah, that's definitely um, a learning curve, you know, a lot less surf and turf at, uh, you know, meetings. Um, mm -hmm. But it's exciting for me. I, I was kind of at a place where I, I had done a lot with my career at Red Bull. Um, the business around me was changing and I was starting to feel like I was plateauing a little bit. And my personality just really, really likes to feel uncomfortable and, and kind of in over my head. So <clears throat> I feel a little bit more at stride right now and, and kind of look at it as a new challenge. Um, and so definitely, um, look and less travel wise, every aspect of the business is interesting, but you know, for the most part, I'm self-funded. Our, our seed money came all from athletes. So congratulations, which is pretty exciting. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, we think it's a testament that there's a need for this in, in the, uh, in the world. And it's not funded by a bunch of people that are looking to take advantage of the, of the athletes and the, and the businesses that they have. So, um, I, it keeps you a little more cautious on like, how do you run the company? And we want to stay very lean. We have, you know, goals and, and revenues that we're trying to hit so that we can continue to climb to those next stages. And so, um, I, I look at it as definitely a change of pace from working at a large organization. Uh, but it's a new challenge. It's, it's super exciting and it's fun. So I love that, man. And, and so I, I forgot to ask the question before. So I apologize. You said, you know, the, the relationship with all the, all the athletes was there. The relationship with all the agents was there. And that's how you're able to amass so many in the beginning. As you were saying, what you want to try and do is provide a platform for the other 99% of brands that might not have access to come and start dealing with these athletes. So if you already had the relationship with the athletes and the brands, that means the original brands you were working with, they had the access because they knew you and they knew these athletes. How did you right. go and find that other 99% of brands that don't have the access? How did you, you know, as, yeah. as I was saying before, the chicken and the egg, how did you go find them to say, hey, come over here and just look at what we're doing? Well, that's really the stage that we're at right now. Um, so we wanted to create a few kind of use case stories to, to prove that it worked well. So use my natural network um, with brands that, that didn't have a huge sports marketing structure built out. Mm -hmm. A lot of new up and coming companies uh, that needed to build some like distinction in the marketplace and some credibility. Um, so kind of use those opportunities first. Uh, got some proof that, Hey, this thing works. People like it. We adjusted a few things. Uh, and then uh, we've been just kind of growing by just, you know, trying to hit up everybody we can. And so mm -hmm. uh, the, the sales and marketing process is, is definitely exciting. It's humbling coming from, you know, I used to run, I felt like with pretty high profile individuals and now I'm running around trade shows, handing out flyers. So, mm -hmm. um, but it takes me back to it's fun. It's exciting. So I'm loving it. Um, but then we were just about to launch a pretty robust marketing campaign in March. And then right as we were about to pull the trigger, I mean, literally days, uh, the coronavirus obviously started to escalate and we were like, wait, you know, this is a, a big, you know, poker play for us. We're going to, put a lot of our resources against this. Are people ready to digest a brand marketing message? Uh, and so we've, we've actually held back. So most, all of it's been word of mouth. Um, fortunately, 
our sort of product that we offer is athletes and they have a lot of people that follow them and look at them. So um, we've seen a lot of great um, natural PR from them. A lot of the athletes are super great about talking about us on social media, pushing us out. We've had brands that used us that have connected with athletes and actually said, if you will sign up with icon source, we will send you the deal through there. So it's been really exciting to see some of the organic growth, but yeah, as you can imagine, it's, it's a little difficult navigating a startup business through this pandemic (laughs) through this right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, kudos to you for doing what you're doing. I still think it's great. You know, helping all these athletes all over the country, all over the world, bringing together the brands and the athletes. So I guess, you know, as you said, the marketing campaign was going to go out and I think I'm sure it was going to crush it. And I'm sure when it does go out, when everything gets back to normal, it's going to crush it just because of, uh, you know, what I've been able to learn about you over the last 45 minutes. When, you know, you named it icon source, which is not athlete specific. So I have to yeah. then assume there is a next level with entertainers, with influencers, with esport athletes. Like where, how are you guys looking at this as a rollout? And, and what are some of those, you know, um, milestones along the way? Yeah. So, um, you're correct. The name, we wanted to be fairly generic so that we could grow, uh, in, in some different segments, but, I'm a big believer in uh, do what you do perfect and then, and then replicate that. And so mm-hmm. I could easily run around and just chase revenue at this stage. There's so much money to be made in different places. Uh, but I think it's difficult to create a product that people speak very highly of by doing that. And so if I can stay disciplined and say, we want to create something very special for this group right here. And then once we believe we've created that, um, then take on another, another group. So, for example, we could bring on events. So if like community triathlons or even big professional like US Open, the surfing, or um, they could put their platforms on here to sell hospitality, obviously musicians, um, DJs, speakers. Um, so there, the, the room for growth is, is big, but we want to build a brand that has really great credibility, has brings tremendous value to people, um, and just kind of forego maybe initial revenues that we could have made, but really um, focus on, on what's that experience like? What do people say about us? Uh, do we provide within a finite community uh, a lot of value? And so mm-hmm. then just kind of go step by step from there. So, and that, that's um, awesome. And that's a yeah. great way to look at it, man. Great way to look at it. What, I guess, <laughs> what are some of the accomplishments? Again, right now I understand things are crazy, but what are some of those, what are those some next accomplishments? Is it a number? Like we need, you know, a thousand athletes. Is it a specific athlete? Is it a specific brand that you're just trying to look and get anything, anything like that? Yeah. You know, I think from the number of athletes standpoint, when I first had vision, like kind of like thought of this, I was like, Oh, we don't need more than a hundred athletes. Cause I want every single athlete to get a deal. Mm -hmm. And then I, you know, the more I think about it is, well, we need to have a really diverse group. Um, so that's kind of strategies evolved. So I think we're at 500. I think we could get to a thousand and have a pretty good group. I don't think you're going to bring a huge amount of value to the platform once you go beyond that, because it's just difficult to, um, bring deals to that wide of a group of people. Um, but our focus on right now is just getting our name out there, just letting brands understand, wow, I never knew it was this easy to connect with athletes in a search tool. Essentially we, with our platform, you can look at what's an athlete's social media demographic. So I can actually defend, we did a deal with this, say Walmart in Texas. And I want to speak to those consumers because we got to quickly show um, traction from our product. And so I can look at there and find, all right, which athletes is a good fit. Um, and, and they have a huge audience. Boom, send them a deal. We had a brand actually send an athlete an offer while they're in a board meeting. They, they're a B2B company. And they said, we want to have a voice with how uh, consumers actually think of our product, not just rely on our, re- on our brand partners and, and their ads. So, so uh, you know, they're like, well, I've heard of Icon Source. They actually looked at it and said, wow, this mountain bike athlete is a world champion. He uses our product already. Send him a deal and, and you know, got done in a week. So I think just kind of understanding the ease and um, empower of it will, will kind of sell itself. But yeah, we, we just want to see growth on the brands right now. I love it. I love it. And, and so it sounds like if you're only willing or only, you know, right now looking at having a thousand athletes, how are you being selective and exclusive when it comes to those athletes? And when you do hit that number and someone like Tom Brady's like, hey, man, I want to come on the platform. What do you do yeah. in that situation? 
Well, I think uh, we're not like strict to that number. Um, I think that just is an overall like, all right, we yeah. want to pursue some growth there. And then once we've reached that, we've, we'll, we will have felt like we have pretty good diverse setup. So as far as protecting the group, so like I said before, we don't charge like a startup fee. We don't charge like a monthly retainer. Um, but we do protect the community. So you do have to get approved. Um, we don't allow just anybody to jump on and try to message an athlete or harass people. Um, we do a little bit of research. Um, for the athletes, I, you know, I have a pretty wide network, so I have a good feel initially. Do I know them? Do I know their, their agent? Their agents also have to be approved, so we don't, we don't want other people claiming representation. So we do a mm-hmm. fair bit of research on both sides so that people feel like all of a sudden they have access to a special group and yeah. and it's it's a privilege to be a part of it um and and we are hoping that that value that 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 end user feels will ultimately turn into a monetary you know transaction one day i so. love it man well good stuff I, anything else chase this was awesome yeah i think it's just uh i'm excited for the world to get spinning again and for sports to get back i'm I don't know if you guys obviously watched the Michael Jordan documentary, but I felt like I was watching the Super Bowl or Masters. Just so yeah, right? exciting for some new content. So it was crazy, um, man. And everyone was talking about it too. It was nice to be a part of that, like you know, national conversation again, where everyone was like, "I can't believe Scottie Pippen only got paid eighteen million dollars," and everyone was like, "I oh, know, me too." It was just it was, it's funny it being was, a part of that again. It was crazy. It, it was refreshing, uh, and I'm really excited for sports to start back. It's it's crazy not really knowing what it's going to look like in the future. Um, but I think, you know, it's, it's going to prevail. And, and I think sports tell powerful, inspiring stories. Um, and you know, that's why we're here to try to let more people be attached to those things. So I appreciate you having me on for sure. Please brother. Thank you for reaching out and thank you for wanting to be on. Again, this, I think is awesome. I don't get the opportunity to talk to someone like you. I don't think I've ever talked to anyone who's been on Antarctica (laughs) before. So, you know, I'm going to check that box off. Chase Garrett, CEO and founder of Icon Source. Really appreciate your time today, man. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode with Chase Garrett. As I said, just so much fun to hear from his days and what he's been able to do and how he's been able to do it. Please make sure to follow him and Icon Source on all of their socials. Everything will be in the show notes. Please also make sure to give us a five-star review wherever the heck you're listening, but especially if you're listening on iTunes and Apple. So thank you all so much for your time. See you anything we don't get more of, and I appreciate you giving me some of yours. So I hope you make it a wonderful day. Yes.